when we're going through a dry time, the Bible has so much encouragement for us. But there's one problem. A lot of times we miss it, and it's purely because we don't understand the Middle Eastern context. My guest today is Ashley Wilkerson, and she's here to give us a look at Psalm 23 that will change the way you understand where God is in the middle of your wilderness. Today on The Truth and Our Trauma. Ever sit down to pray and end up thinking about what you need to buy at the store instead? No judgment. I've totally been there. And that's why I decided to create the Ignite Strategic Prayer Planner and Journal. Know what to pray, track your impact, and learn to hear God's voice for yourself. Ignite is more than just a journal. It's a journey. And it's available now on Amazon and at the link in the show notes. For me, the last several years have been full of dry seasons, and my dependence on the Word has grown and grown and grown. One of the things that has helped me really to digest what God has for all of us in His Word is the understanding of the Middle Eastern context of the place and the times in which these scriptures were written. I have a few favorite resources on this from Christy McClelland and also from Rabbi Jason Sobel. And they are just so powerful in the way that they illuminate the text to us in a way that our Western understanding just does not do for us. And it pulls us out of the situations where we find ourselves and puts us right in the middle of the biblical narrative to understand who God is, what he is doing, and what his relationship is like to his people as we journey through this life. My guest today is Ashley Wilkerson, and she is here to bring a new lens, a new understanding of Psalm 23 from this same Middle Eastern context. Psalm 23 is the one in which David declares, the Lord is my shepherd. And a lot of us didn't necessarily grow up raising sheep. So to understand fully what that means, Ashley's here to help us gain some insight into these word pictures, but also to help us correct some wrong understandings of the ways that these things might have been taught to us and how those wrong understandings have maybe caused us distance in our relationship with the Lord and to bring some new light onto this passage to help connect us with the heart of God in difficult and dry seasons. Ashley, I'm delighted to have you with me today. Welcome to the podcast. Oh, friend, it is an honor. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for the invitation. Ashley, I'm so thrilled too, because Psalm 23 has personally been big for me this year. It's something God has continued to bring me back to over and over and over. As I've gone through a year that's been pretty transitional, pretty uncertain, I would say in a lot of ways. And though Though I'm going through that, he's used this psalm in many ways to help me understand where he is in the midst of it. And Mm -hmm. you have a specific insight in reaching into the context and diving in deeper into the the origins of where this psalm comes from to really give us a greater Mm -hmm. sense of even more so what God would want to share about himself through this psalm. So I want to know if you would start us just by giving us kind of a picture of how that came to be and maybe even how some of your earlier experiences in life, I yeah. think specifically in 4-H, <laughs> might have prepared you to understand this psalm of God as our shepherd. Yeah. 
Well, I think for me, it all starts with me being the kid with all the questions. I talk about that in the book a little bit. Um, I was raised in church and have always uh, been around scripture, but there were parts of scripture that, if I'm really honest, seemed contradictory. There were parts of scripture that didn't make sense in the context of what I knew to be the heart of God. And I had those questions. I remember um, being in Sunday school classes and the teachers getting, of course, so <laughs> exacerbated because they didn't have, um, you know, all the answers to my questions. And I'm so blessed to be raised in a home that welcomed questions and didn't see that as um, obstinance or any sort of doubt or uh, rebellion. And so for me, I, um, I have always come with questions, but the enlightenment started specifically. Uh, I had moved to Colorado um, and was working in a research position and was introduced to the teachings of a Messianic Jew who had studied um, in rabbinic school. And his explanations were eye-opening to a degree that literally my entire view of scripture changed. And, you know, my, all of my background is academic and, and most of it's in psychology. So the idea of studying everything in context and application, of course, that's a no brainer. But often in the evangelical American church, we don't talk about that enough. And I believe a lot of that comes from our own personal fear because I wasn't raised in the Middle East right? I don't know all of Hebrew. I don't speak Aramaic. I don't, you know, there's so many elements that um, people don't necessarily want to dive into because we aren't as knowledgeable as we'd love to be. And so with that initial introduction to elements of context and, and his studies really introduced me, it was that first lesson of green pastures. And that for me was so eye-opening because I had seen these incredible men and women of God my entire life that had walked through these struggles of looking like they were living day to day. And you hear pastors, teachers talk about abundance and that didn't line up for me. And that um, explanation of green pastures specifically was eye-opening and I connected with that so much personally that it caused a deeper hunger to go into the psalm and specifically start this. And so really, I studied the context of this passage, starting with that initial nugget um, for about 11 years. And it was just personal study. And I, you know, I... I'm a pastor and I teach. And so I was using those in, in sermons and in devotionals. And, but um, all the while, the Holy Spirit was writing this book and I had it sort of as my own kind of baby. And then the Lord said, okay, now it's time. And um, yeah, there's, there's a lot of nerves that come with that too. Right? Oh, sure. <laughs> right. Like, yeah. Here it is. <laughs> yeah. Okay, Lord, what do you want to do with it? Yeah, I love that sure. though because it is it is much like we are that 
it is, it's the word working on us that we are a work in process. And so, so is this, this book literally has been a process and it's letting people in on that. And I'm so also fascinated though, for someone who's listening, who maybe doesn't know what a messianic rabbi is or a messianic Jew Just to give some context around that, it's a person who was raised up in the Jewish traditions Mm -hmm. following the Jewish faith and Mm -hmm. then at some point had chosen to follow Jesus as the Messiah. So they have both sides. It's it's Old Testament, New Testament, like really brought together. And though being able to see then historically and geographically, culturally, ethnically, Mm -hmm. all of the the connections, how much more vibrant Mm -hmm. the word does become to us when we Mm -hmm. don't take our Western approach to these things and we start to to really dissect, oh, this is what is meant by this metaphor. And that's what this whole Psalm 23 is, is it's a metaphor, but we're not an agrarian people. We don't really necessarily, I mean, someone listening might know something about raising sheep. I don't, (laughs) you know, it would be the minority, right? Right. It is generally lost on most of us who are in a Western context. And so even to grasp what is meant by that metaphor, we have to do a little bit of digging. And in this though, we have the ability, we we do have the ability to gain some more clarity and to get some of these answers. And so Let's start from that point of reference, though, where we are going back to the context of David was a shepherd. David, who wrote this, was a shepherd. He absolutely knew what he was doing when he put this metaphor Mm -hmm. together for us. Mm -hmm. And though we might not on the surface be able to extract that, we can get there. So can you talk a little bit about why David's experience matters Mm -hmm. in the shaping up of this word picture and then what it even more so indicates about God's heart for us? Absolutely. Well, I think for me, it it all comes back to that personal relationship, right? I start even in the study talking about the reality that David doesn't call God a good shepherd. He calls the Lord his shepherd. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. And so there's this concept from the very beginning of the personal nature of that relationship. And so just as you were saying, there's um, elements of context that we can't necessarily understand. I mean, you mentioned I was in 4-H. Okay. The extent of my shepherding (laughs) was uh, that my neighbor raised sheep and let me have a sheep in his farm. And, you know, I showed it maybe three times. And two of the times that I showed it, I was dragged across the fairgrounds because I forgot to let go of the leash. So yeah, that's the extent of my shepherding. But as you were saying, we can get closer to understanding that relationship by again, looking at the context, because even if someone is in a sort of agrarian setting here in the United States or in North America, that certainly doesn't mean that we will have an understanding of the same colloquialisms that a Middle Eastern shepherd would have. And so I think it it, it is so important when we're studying scripture to say the obvious things, right? Um, no one spoke English. So the idea of translations always come into play. That's why it's so important to not just read one translation, to read many. Uh, The idea of understanding who is writing what and why they would use certain pictures. You know, before I was a mom, I would never use an illustration of being a mom and having my children do something. Why? Because I don't have that personal 
experience or I didn't until I had kiddos. And now they're in every illustration, right? That personal connection. And so I, I believe that when we look at the Psalm, there's this, um, there's this temptation to take it and put it into our own context. But I think it is so much more powerful when we're willing to understand, like you said, David was a shepherd. He was in a shepherding culture, a culture that understood shepherding and shepherding terms. And so for him, it was so natural to describe God in all of those beautiful pictures. And and in the book, I do dive into some of them, but I got to tell you, I mean, I use this illustration of a diamond um, in the introduction. And I talk about how I don't want anyone to get discouraged because maybe I'm presenting a face of this passage that they've never been taught or never seen before. Because at the end of the day, most rabbis will teach that every single passage has at least 70 faces. And so there's that living, breathing, beautiful word of God that as a diamond would turn, you get to see a new face. And depending on where you are in perspective to the diamond, you're seeing a new facet. And so I, I think in this book, I explore some of the facets, but friend, I, I have more questions now than I ever did, right? Because <laughs> the more we learn, the more we understand that we don't know. And I think that's the beautiful nature of being hungry for more of the Lord. I love the image of the of the diamond with the facets mm-hmm. and the comparison you made to, for example, not using parenting as a metaphor, for example, until you've walked mm-hmm. through it. And I think that's one of the barriers a lot of times for people is that yeah. if they have not had a healthy relationship with an sure. earthly father, the... Mm-hmm. Understanding of God as a father is a difficult facet to grab onto. It's it's probably in many cases not going to be the first one maybe that you're able to really connect with. But something like the shepherd, for example, and as we dig into that, that this is not a person who is just like, oh, I just put him in a pen and let him run around all day kind of thing. Right. That mm-hmm. that the shepherd was walking amongst his sheep. He was guiding his sheep. He was caretaking for his sheep. That there's a nurturance in there that we can understand through animal caretaking and animal husbandry versus, you know, the, the caretaking of a parent, which might be harder to grab onto. And, and that the Lord knows that, that the Lord Mm -hmm. knows us so well. He knows our brokenness. He knows the things that we struggle with to go, I'm going to give you all kinds of different ways that you can understand my heart for you. And so if this one doesn't resonate with you right away, Mm -hmm. that's okay. I've got another one, you know, and that the shepherd really powerfully is that. So many pictures. Exactly. Okay, this one is for all my overthinkers out there. I used to be absolutely debilitated by intrusive thoughts. Everything from constant worry to just dread of the future, I couldn't make it stop. If you're there right now, I have developed a free downloadable guide to help you get your mind back. It's called Overthinking. Get out of your head and on with your life. And you can download it for free right now at UncommonValor.co. Ashley, as it comes to understanding those green pastures that you talked about, you mentioned that just a little bit. Can you give us a sense, for example, how context helps with some of this imagery and, you know, maybe what we've been told is abundance and and that Mm -hmm. language is in there, but how it looks a little Mm -hmm. different and might actually be more relatable to our own personal wildernesses? 
Yeah, absolutely. Well, I think, um, again, all of the passion for this passage came with that initial explanation of how I was taught green pastures versus the reality of the term green pastures. You know, we all have uh, phrases that we use colloquially. I live um, in the Seattle area and we have Mount Rainier here and um, it's cloudy much of the year, but when it's not, we say the mountain is out. Okay. Well, if you don't live here, you might think we are insane for saying that, you know, do they really think it goes in? It's, it's that colloquial phrase, right? And this phrase, green pastures, when I was taught green pastures, you know, in Sunday school with a felt board growing up, it was that picture of, uh, you know, I envisioned myself as this like plump sheep laying in the middle of this insane, like tall grass that was maybe my favorite to eat. And I'm, you know, nestled in near a stream of clean water. So I can just lay there and relax. And at the end of the day, who wouldn't want to sign up for that? Like he makes me lie down in green pastures. Yes. I say yes to Jesus. I want it to always be that. But then I'm introduced for the very first time to the reality that green pastures is not a description. It's a colloquial term. And it's a term that even kindergartners today in those more agrarian cultures of the Middle East would even use. And the term has nothing to do with abundance. It has everything to do with trust. And let me explain. There's dew that collects, right? It's off of the Mediterranean, collects on the sides of these rocks. We forget that the Middle Eastern desert, the vast majority of it is rocky desert terrain. And so if enough dew will collect in certain crevices of rocks, these tiny little tufts of grass will grow. Now, when that happens... A shepherd will look for those tiny tufts of grass, and it's typically just enough for a mouthful for each sheep for that day. And that's what they call green pastures. And for me, it was this idea of signing up to follow a shepherd that wants me to need him. Because if it's just enough for me for just today, then what happens? Tomorrow, I have to get up and I have to look to the shepherd and trust him for today's sustenance. And we see that throughout scripture, right? We see it with the manna. We see it with Jesus um, when he's asked, Lord, how do we pray, right? Every rabbi had their own way of teaching how to pray. And Jesus says, Pray, give us this day our daily bread. Well, that's not something I've ever wanted. I'm a planner. I'm, you know, especially after the pandemic, I've got a pantry that's stocked. You know, that's <laughs> that's part of my comfort. And yet the Lord says, that's not my way. And we get taught so often, you know, um, abundant life. Well, when you look at the original language, that term some translations will say till the fullest, that term really means full and big. 
So what is abundant life really? It's living a life to its fullest that's far bigger than just you. It has nothing to do with things. And it certainly has nothing to do with comfort. And it's funny though, because we, again, as evangelical American Christians, want to preach that comfort. And yet you can't read any passages of scripture and really derive the idea that God's called us to anything comfortable. He's more concerned about our cultivation than our comfort. And that's not exciting to preach, (laughs) right? Right? (laughs) That's not the, you know, that's not the part that you want to share on social media for your real. It's, but it's reality. And so for me, that was so comforting because during times of my life that I didn't feel like I had this abundance, that I didn't feel like I was in a comfortable position, I I thought I was lacking. And yet I go back to what David said. He said, I, I lack nothing Reg- because I'm following you, Lord. If I'm really following you, even if I'm uncomfortable, even if I don't know where the sustenance will come from tomorrow, I can trust you that you'll guide me there. And I really do have everything, not that I want, but that I need. And there was so much about that that made the gospel more relatable versus versions that I had been taught that just didn't seem like scripture or real life. I think this is such a powerful way, as you said, to pull this scripture into our real lives, because (laughs) this is meant to give us comfort in those times where our lives feel very dry, that the Lord is going before us. He knows where our sustenance is. He is our sustenance and that he is going to give us just exactly what we need. And it's designed, though, not only to get us through those difficult times, but to then not hold so tightly to the world, not continue to look for a green lush meadow like you're talking about somewhere on this earth that what we desire to eat of and drink from is spiritual Mm -hmm. and that Mm -hmm. that we can have in abundance in Mm -hmm. overflowing amounts here and in eternity that this is where we get to pull eternity into not only this life but the suffering parts of this life and that is the whole point of Mm -hmm. this um, word picture specifically but Right. The the passage overall. And that's, as you said, it's not with, when it's devoid of the context, it's not what comes across at all. And yeah. so then we're looking around going, well, how come my life does not look like yeah. rolling fields? And-, <laughs> and what happens is people make assumptions, right? In that moment, they say, okay, either it's not real. God's not real. Scripture is not true. Or the Lord's mad at me. And so I'm being punished for something when all the entirety of scripture shows us that he will use all of these things to cultivate us. And so I just, if we were able, you know, as the American church specifically, if we were able to shift that understanding, then people wouldn't fall, I believe, into often the depression that we do when we walk through hard times, we can start to understand it better as wow, this is how the Holy Spirit's shaping me and see it as honestly the beautiful thing that it is. And often we don't do that until we're on the other side. But if we can see it in the middle of it, it'll change how we approach every every aspect. 
you just mentioned something that I think is actually a barrier to us understanding God as our shepherd. And it is that question of, is God mad at me? Because Mm -hmm. when we are in a tough spot, there is something of a disconnection to God that we are aware of, and we don't Mm -hmm. know where it came from necessarily. And one of our, our thoughts then potentially could be, he's mad at me, he's disappointed in me, he's far away, he doesn't care, you know, whatever it might be for someone. Mm-hmm. And sometimes there are things like the passage about the rod and the staff that are taught incorrectly yeah. without this, again, cultural mm-hmm. context that can magnify that issue that we have rather than putting it to rest. So could mm-hmm. you talk into that a little bit and talk about how maybe even a passage like that in correcting it helps us to recognize, no, God is is so for us. Yeah, everything that I read about shepherds did have descriptions of good shepherds and bad shepherds. So it's not that in the shepherding sense, you would never have a shepherd that would use a rod in a damaging way or staff in a damaging way. Everything I read said, of course that exists, but a good shepherd would never. And so there's this beautiful picture of the rod and the staff, as David says, being comfort But again, like you said, there's this pushback like, oh, well, that would be still very fearful. And that's so much of why many people either don't want to get in the word, even if they're believers, they don't want to get in the word, which we know the rod is this beautiful picture of God's word. And there's multiple ways that I describe in the book that there's um, symbolism, but then also the staff is this beautiful picture of the Holy Spirit. And so even as believers, so often we won't allow the Holy Spirit to search us. We won't allow him into areas of our lives because there's that fear, right? There's that fear of what's God going to make me give up? (laughs) What's God going to, you know, expose? And the beauty of the rod, one of the most beautiful pictures, because there's so many, the rod is used not for punishment, if it's used in any sort of violent way, it's against the predators that are coming after the sheep. But what I love, my favorite picture about the rod is that when a sheep trusts the shepherd enough, there's this process that's mentioned a couple of times in the Old Testament called passing under the rod. And it's part of the counting of the sheep that happens daily. With that, though, as the sheep really trust the shepherd, the sheep will allow the shepherd to come close and take that rod and part the sheep's wool. And with that, the shepherd is inspecting those inner places, those inner places that aren't seen from afar, that even the sheep living beside that sheep wouldn't be able to see without the parting of the wool, the shepherd looks closely and starts at the head, looks closely in those inner places for disease, for infection, and for pests. Now, Psalm 23 talks about, you anoint my head with oil. Well, we understand that that's a beautiful picture of, you know, the proclamation of a new title, a new season, a new anointing. But for a shepherd, It's more when a shepherd finds disease or infection or pests inside those inner places 
under the sheep's wool. There's a combination of olive oil and linseed oil. My central oil peeps out there going nuts right now. And they're screaming, yeah, you're right. And the shepherd will anoint the sheep's head. Now, there's a few things that that does. It's healing and it's also preventative. And that anointing has to take place continually. And so there's this beautiful picture of allowing the Lord with his word to inspect those inner places, to find where there's issues. And then that beautiful picture of the Holy Spirit and his oil, allowing him to continually anoint us for that healing, but then also that preventative nature. I mean, there were so many incredible stories that I read about the pests that would infect the sheep's head and crawl into their ears. And what a picture of what the enemy does, right? This infestation and what we say to ourselves in our minds and what we're thinking and, and how sheep, if it's not treated, would cause intense self-harm, like ramming their heads into sides of uh, mountains and or even running off of cliffs. Friend, do we not see this every day? And yet the good shepherd, when we allow him close, right? That comfort of that rod seems scary at first. He's going to look at those inner places, but that healing and the preventative nature of the Holy Spirit, the power of that is, it's just life-changing. I appreciate that correction that you just gave because many of us do know this as corporal punishment that we're seeing Mm -hmm. this connected to what we've been taught as a rod of discipline. Right. And understanding, number one, no, the Lord is using this as your protector, that he's going Mm -hmm. before you and he's fending off these predators. But then also to inspect and to heal us. Then we can look Mm -hmm. at other scriptures in the word where we talk about where David says, search me and know me. You know, seek, search me out, know the inside of me that, We can understand that this is his heart for us. So Mm -hmm. submitting ourselves to his quote unquote inspection is not to pass the test as far as passing muster to like, oh, be good enough. No, no, no. It's it's for him to actually expose the weak parts to strengthen and heal them. And when we understand these word pictures in the Bible and we Mm -hmm. understand that this is God's heart for us, then when we Mm -hmm. are going through things that are painful and difficult, we don't have to shy away from the the lord who is the healer and the physician like yes. he is the one who brings about a good purpose from Amen. the things that we go through the other part of that rod picture that i do want to highlight as well is the shepherd would use the rod to mark boundaries for the sheep's safety man the word of god does that so beautifully and a lot of times the corporal punishment thing we've heard, oh, spare the rod, spoil the child. What if that was a similar rod that instead of, you know, being an advocate for corporal punishment or some sort of violence against our children, instead, it was all about marking boundaries and being close enough to them to inspect what's going on on the inside. It's a powerful picture. And I think it's mistaught far too often. Mm -hmm. And very healing though, when we understand what God's heart truly is for us and that we have another way then that we can go with this. Yes. Whether again, in our relationship with the Lord or even in our relationship to our kids Mm -hmm. and other relationships. Yeah, absolutely. 100%.
Ashley, I am just so, so, so grateful for the insights that you have shared on this passage. And I really just think you've opened the door for us to encounter God in a really powerful and new way through your study. Would you talk to listeners about the study Mm -hmm. and how they can follow you? Absolutely. So the study is a six session study of Psalm 23, and I've included live teaching access. So there's a QR code in the back of the book. That's just when you buy the book, when you purchase it, you're able to access all six live sessions of me teaching this. Uh, and I, the combination of the two, really, I created the book almost as a personal, um, a personal study that can be done in small groups. It's not just for women, it's for men and women. You can do it as an individual study. You can do it as a group study. There's lots of margin space because I believe the Holy Spirit wants to operate in and through our questions. So that is for you to write notes and questions. And then I have questions at the end of each subsection. Can you tell I'm a teacher? (laughs) So literally it's six sessions. You can take as long on it or make it as short as you want. We've had people that just watch the videos and, and, you know, go and answer the questions at the end of each section. We've had people that don't watch the videos and just read the book. There are major differences, but I think that they complement each other wonderfully. And it really is about understanding the desert seasons, those wilderness seasons. And maybe if you're not in one, can I go ahead and let you know that you probably will be one day. And it's a beautiful way to prepare your heart and soul for those so that they won't be seasons of anger, resentment, and running from the Lord, but they can be seasons where you lean in and see the sweetness. There's a phrase that's used throughout scripture. I'll satisfy you with honey from the rock. What does that mean? There is a sweetness in those desert, difficult seasons that you can't experience in comfort. And my prayer is that this study will help open that perspective to each and every one of us. Absolutely. And how can they find you on social? Yes. So my website is ashleywilkerson.org. A-S-H-L-E-Y-W-I-L-K-E-R-S-O-N.org. All of my social media stuff is right there. You can click subscribe and all the links are there or just scroll to the bottom. I see I have Instagram and TikTok and YouTube and Facebook and all the things. Um, I would love for you guys to follow me. And you also can, on the website, you can sign up for a free weekly like nugget teaching that gets texted out every single week um, just for people that sign up and just a little encouragement. It's usually a one to two minute nugget just to, um, to help us again, hunger more for his word. And I will put links to the study and the, all of the website, social, all the freebies, all the great stuff on the show. The study is available on Amazon. You can buy it in Kindle version or print version. Um, I suggest print because there's something, again, here's the psychologist in me, something about when we're willing, willing to handwrite our answers and process through our own handwriting, something powerful that the Lord's created our brains 
to do with that. So yeah, absolutely. And I love to fill in those margins. <laughs> so I yes. appreciate all the space that you left there. Just again, open ourselves to encounter. Mm. Thank you, friend. Thank you. Thank you so much. Thanks for being with me for this episode today. I hope you'll come back again. And in the meantime, you can follow me over on social media and find out about our resources and services over at uncommonvalor.co.